Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes, and on today's episode, Sarah Bonatti, the CEO of Bash North America, discuss the differences between the French and American consumer, the unique ways the brand is building relationships in the U.S., and the partnership with investor Al Catterton. Hope you enjoy it. So tell us about your role at, at Bash. When did you start? Uh, you're the CEO of North America. So tell us, it's a, obviously a global brand then. Exactly. It's um, definitely a global brand. Um, I started two years ago when we decided to launch a brand in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, um, I joined a few months after the investment of uh, El Capital, mm-hmm. which is the um, private equity of LVMH. The brand was uh, created 15 years ago in, in Paris, and um, about now, four years ago, uh, El Capital um, invested in the brand, and uh, their vision was also to create, to make Bash a global brand, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to their investment. So we launched um, US and Asia at the same time, uh, about two years ago. Right. So you came in at, at a pretty integral time. Uh, what was the behind the decision to you know, build teams in these countries that you're expanding to? Like, is there is there also a team based in China? And, you know, how do you guys all work together? Sure. Um, yeah, there is a team in, in Shanghai. Uh, we have a team in New York here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is also a small team in Hong Kong. Headquarter based in Paris, um, and um, and we had been lucky, I'll say, like um, both the CEO of Asia and myself to start at the same time mm-hmm. because, um, like, developing the brand uh, internationally was a stretch for the brand. So it was a um, it was a chance that we start both territory at the same time because we had like kind of the same needs, same um, requests from uh, from Paris. So um, so it we had like more let's say more power to to make things like happen and change. Right. So that you had like that support almost. Exactly. Uh, so how how do you have like what has to happen internally to be able to, to stretch the brand to new new territories, especially at the same time? Uh, like how big is your team in New York, for instance? In New York, we are quite a small t- team still. We are like about um, between 15 to 20 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, we work almost more like a startup. Um, we work from a spring place, like a um, co-working space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our own showroom there, but uh, we are a super entrepreneurial team. Um, and we have like the support like for all the um, function from Paris. Um, that's being said, we decided, for example, to um, move our uh, global e-commerce and digital marketing team in New York mm. um, because we we rapidly saw that the U.S. Um, online and uh, e-commerce habits were more advanced than the French one. Mm. Um, so we decided to make that move for the brand, uh, which was um, very interesting. And um, and yeah, so still pretty t- small team, very entrepreneurial, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And so, is most of the team on the e-commerce and digital marketing teams? Then, uh, what has that been? What does that look like since you made that transition? Um, so the team is like a mix between because we have like all the US team as well, so mm-hmm. retail. Um, 
uh, wholesale, uh, finance, like all the different uh, planning, all the different functions for the US. Um, and we also have the global e-com team. So it's a mix between like a function that um, only for the US and function for the rest of the world, including US. Um, and it's been... Um, it's been a very interesting like decision to do that because when you're a subsidiary, you rely like a lot on the headquarters for everything like um, that um, you can do for the brand. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're constantly asking them a lot um, for your business, and the fact to have department that is running um, that is like a part of the headquarters based in New York, it's also very interesting because we can we are able to also support the rest of the world from New York. Mm -hmm. So I'll say that it's created a more, um, like, we help each other. Mm -hmm. um, when we could have been in a situation where we would need um, and, like, request a lot from Paris, and now we are really helping each other. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So take us back. You mentioned uh, Batch launched 15 years ago. Is that right? Correct. So what what is the brand's positioning? What's its perspective? Uh, just for anyone who's you know still getting familiar sure. with it, especially here in the U.S., uh, how, how would you describe uh, the brand, especially when it when it first started and then up till now? Sure. So, um, Bash is a French brand with a very strong uh, French heritage. Seeing my accent can <laughs> speak for that. Uh, was created um, by two amazing women, uh, Barbara and Sharon. B A uh, stand for ba for uh, for Barbara and mm -hmm. S H for Sharon. And um, it's an interesting story because they were, um, like, Sharon was a lawyer. Uh, she was not in fashion. Barbara was working in PR, and um, they are friends since high school. And um, they always wanted to do something together. It was the, I think their friendship was, like, really at the base of the creation of the brand. And uh, after their second and third child, they decided to, to do it. They decided to create together um, and to create their perfect and ideal wardrobe uh, with their different background, their different personality, but to create like what they will, their dream closet, their, their ideal wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And who's the, who's the audience then? Um, so thanks to that, thanks to the, the diversity of our founders, the audience is very, um, it's very diverse. Um, you can see it in our collection. We have like um, really outfit that could work uh, for more business um, occasion. Like we have very dressy um, outfit too, uh, very feminine. So the audience is very diverse. And I think this is the the strengths of the brand like it's it's a woman feminine woman that wants to um like be um easily dressed uh, one piece and um that can like make your entire outfit one jumpsuit one dress and uh, it's an active woman who may have a lot of different lives in, inside the same in the same day like from being a mother to going to work to uh, going out the same day and that can wear the same piece and just maybe during the day with sneakers, during the night with heels, and that will still feel confident and feminine. So mm -hmm. it's a it's a powerful woman. Uh, that's that is uh, the audience of fashion. Mm -hmm. Great. And and, and pricing wise, would you position it as like a contemporary brand? Uh, how would you how would you position it in terms of like between luxury and more mass? Um, yeah, I think it's definitely what we call in France um, accessible luxury. Mm -hmm. um, this is really that segment of the market um, where we, we offer something um, high quality for a more affordable price. And we try to be very fair with our pricing. Um, 
I think our strategy is a bit different for US market because we wanted to keep our French um, way of doing things. So we were doing like definitely less promotion um, mm-hmm. than the market is used to used to, um, and very like we were surprised to see that uh, our customer, our American customer. Um, not only understand it, but uh, respect it. And they're happy to come to us to see that we have timeline pieces that will never go on sale. Uh, and we have been like uh, positively surprised by the answer of the customer about that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm sure that the American customer in the, the retail industry here is, is pretty different. And so when you when you got here and essentially you had to get started, did you were you working with retail partners, opening stores, setting up the economy? Like, what was the order of, of priority in, in terms of getting it off the ground? Um, it's a good question because, um, like, you have to have multiple priorities. Uh, and we decided on purpose to really have like a 360 hybrid strategy. Um, we are retailer at the basis. We have like almost 200 retail store in the world. Uh, so we know how to operate retail. Um, we know t- how to give like the best customer service. And this was something that for sure was like um, a point of entry for us in the in the U.S. market, our own retail store and creating that relationship with, uh, with our clients. Mm-hmm. And um, so retail was like um, a piece of it. But um, at the same time, both... Um, wholesale and e-commerce was uh, very important to us for different reasons. Um, wholesale, because um, in the U.S., um, as a new brand, uh, we had been very lucky to partner like with, uh, like for example, Render Runway, who was one of our first partners. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to them, like in a very short period of time, we had like great brand awareness. And um, our first retail customer were initially ordering on Render Runway. We had the chance to be like in their wardrobe already. And like they, they had a chance to have like a taste of the brand. Mm-hmm. And um, and thanks to Render Runway, to Nordstrom, um, we had the chance to like speak to, already speak to our customer, um, show them like a few products in our collection and like... Um, let him making them curious and wanted to to know more about us and uh, and going either in our retail store or online. And as I say, Ecom was um, from day one when we arrived here, like something very important for us. Mm-hmm. We knew that, um, like especially in the US, that is much more advanced in the D two C brand. Um, we wanted to be to be stronger and even stronger than the other European brand in the US for for Ecom and digital. Oh, interesting. So. You had a really strong like digital foundation, like it seems, but those retail partners, it sounds like, were were pretty integral in raising that brand awareness. Uh, so is that is that kind of how you look at the the relationship? Like you have to have the variety of channels because they each serve their own purpose. Is it is it is talking to a different customer? How do you kind of you know make sure that they're all like working together properly? Sure, <clears throat> I think it's. Um it's funny because when we arrived in the U.S. two years ago, um, I remember the day before I signed our first retail store, um, I, I received the New York Times newsletter and it was uh, Retail is Dead. <laughs> and uh, I was about to sign our, our first store in New York. And, um, and actually, um, I think that uh, first retail is not dead, like uh, boring retail or bad retail is dead, but like any experimental retail when you have a, a real interaction with your customer is still key. 
and um, and we we think we need those um, this diversity. I think it's risky to rely only on wholesale partner. Um, it's um, a chance to have your own retail store and to have that interaction with your customer. It's a chance to work with wholesale partner that give you more awareness. We are. Um, and it helps us also to test the market. Um, today we see like our best door, let's say, with, with Nordstrom. Now we are looking at opening store there because we know we have already have like a base of customers that have an appetite for the brand and that we want to meet and we want to establish a direct relationship with. Mm-hmm. So um, we, f- we see it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're also using the re- retail partners to figure out your store strategy at the same time. Yes, and retail and online, like our... Uh, we see where we ship the most of our product, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's interesting. We we have a we are surprised sometimes by the what we see. Mm. How does customer behavior differ in the U.S. as opposed to France? It's a good question. Um, maybe two two things. Um, first, I think the relationship with the promotion, um, and we have, as I say, we had been like. Uh, positively surprised, but I think people here expect more promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, in France, it's just regulated by law. So you have to start the promotion like the first week of um, January and the first week of July for eight weeks. And after that, you're not allowed anymore to have any promo in your store. Mm. Um, so it's very different. So when like the sales start, like it's a real event and like customers are waiting for that. Um, and I feel in the US, it's absolutely not the case and everyone expects you a bit to be on on promotion all the time Mm -hmm. so we really um, had to I think educate our customers to the way we were um, seeing that Mm -hmm. and uh, and thinking it was fair for the brand because we consider our um, our price is very fair and um, we don't project any like um, a lot of to do a lot of discounts Um, and uh, and I think that we had been lucky that our customer uh, had been very um, reacting very well about that, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a, a big difference. Yeah, and um, the second I'll say is the um, the styling component. Um, we noticed that the um, at least in our retail store, our uh, customer loved uh, when we make an entire outfit for them, um, and we're definitely more open to be um, styled mm-hmm. um, in. In our French store, um, I don't know if it's because um, the clients know the brand for uh, for years and know exactly what they want from the brand, mm-hmm. but um, there is less, um, I'll say less, maybe a opportunity for our um, sales uh, people to really um, style uh, their customer. And here, our customer is craving for their advice. They mm-hmm. want the entire style. They want the entire French style. Interesting. Well, that's good for you guys then. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that the retail partners have done a lot to help raise brand awareness. But what about what else have you done in order to get the word out there, introduce this brand to a new customer? You mentioned digital marketing was basically taken over by the U.S. office. Uh, what does that strategy look like? Sure. So I'll think about two things. The first one is um, like a deep retail strategy. Um, we opened for our first e- experimental store in New York, in, uh, in Nolita. And um, in that store, we wanted to see a bit like a lab to experience like a um, lot of things with our customer and to get the opportunity to know them better. Mm-hmm. So for that, we um, 
offer them like uh, French classes to our customer to uh, give them the opportunity to to learn French. We offer them um, like a kids play area in the store, like for our mom that come with their children, they can just um, like be relaxed when they when they try our clothes. Um, we even like. Um, offer our customers the opportunity to organize their baby shower. Um, last week, we organized a baby shower for one of our customers. We saw she was pregnant and like she wanted to do that with her friend and like she just hosted in the store. Uh, the week before, we had been contacted by one of our best customers to organize her bachelorette party <laughs> in the store. And, um, and it's, been, it's been amazing. And... Um, we we try to have like real um, relationship and events with our customer. Um, we also implemented something named the Dream Closet. Um, in that store, we try to think at like what a good friend could do for you, as friendship is really like at the base of our brand. And um, we we brainstorm within the girls of the team and say, okay, we all have like a good friend we go to when we have like a wedding or like an event we are uh, we need to attempt and like we were missing something like we want to like wear that dress that we're going to wear once and that maybe we want to wear only for that event and mm-hmm. um, and we decided to make that happen in the store and every Friday for two hours we like open champagne and uh, you can come in the store and borrow um, a piece for free that mm-hmm. we offer f- to our customer from that dream closet with our like um, great iconic pieces from the brand. And uh, and the customer has to um, give it back on the um, return it on the Monday, uh, but we offer it for free and like we just were wanted to think about opportunities to really interact with our customer and like give them this opportunity to create a, a relationship with mm-hmm. us. That's interesting. It sounds like you know it's it's thinking outside of of the box and, and just what the store especially itself can do. Uh, how do you? take like a fresh approach to to this, this type of thing like like it seems like you it, a lot of brands now are are kind of stuck in this place where you know if they think about how to redo a store it comes down to technology and and people talk about experiences but the way that it actually plays out in stores can be you know not not actually fitting and, and trying to force it a bit so looking at you know a customer who wants to host a baby shower or just the ability to rent something for free like what what bigger trends and in, in what customers are looking for in experiences that they're getting from the, the places that they shop? Do you think that's speaking to? Um, I think at least in our case, um, we've been definitely customer centric, and um, the key is relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the relationship we have with our customer, um, and it starts from the first time they come to the store. Now we see our um, like. We have almost like um, 70% of um, customer um, repeat rate in store when we opened like less than two years ago. So meaning like the first customer we had, like definitely they, they had a connection with the brand and we were able to establish that relationship that when they come back, like sales associates know them by their name. Uh, they know what they're doing uh, like f- for a living. They know their children. They know uh, they're expecting a baby. And uh, I think it changed everything. But And it's not only with our customer. You were asking also what other action we decided to took to develop the brand in the US. Mm-hmm. And um, also digitally-wise, uh, we are partnering with influencers. Um, we try to also... Um, um, work on, on that uh, 
on that subject. And um, I think that same, the relationship have, has been key um, mm. on, that, um, on that road and like finding people that um, you really have a fit with and like that truly love your product and that really love your brand. And they will just like provide like, like, 10 times more than what uh, was supposed to be at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when we launched, for example, with Nordstrom, um, we worked with um, one of our influencers, Rocky Barnes, and um, for our launch with Nordstrom, like, um, we, uh, she provides for us one of her pictures of a bash dress that Nordstrom uh, bought to help us to, to launch there. And it has been an incredible, incredible help for us mm -hmm. because she had the awareness at Nordstrom through the Nordstrom customer that the brand didn't have already. Right. Um, so, and I think that happened also because of the relationship. And um, I don't like the word authenticity. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel that a lot of brand like use, overuse. And, but I feel that when like, um, you find the true um, partners, can be influencer, it can be customer, like people you really have something to share. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's, it works well. You just mm -hmm. Right. And it sounds like you really can't build a brand in a vacuum, essentially. It's, it's using partnerships. It's using this network effect, essentially, to your, to your advantage. Is that something that you anticipated going in or kind of picked up along the way? Mm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't get that soon. Uh, you know, you can't build a brand on its own in a new okay. in a new territory. Uh, so how did you kind of build that network of, of partnerships and figuring out, you know, not just the retail partners, but the influencers in, in order to raise that awareness? And, you know, it really it sounds like it really starts that momentum. Sure. I, I think it's the, um, the combination of what, what we spoke about, like a our own retail, our partners, our influencers, and um, and the ecosystem of that, mm -hmm. um, at the end, is like a really what is um, helping you to emerge. Um, we organized a focus group this week um, with our um, five best uh, U.S. customers. Um, one of them was from Houston. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, we randomly, like, emailed her just to to see if like she would be interested to meet us to know more and she offered to come in New York herself to bring her two daughters to spend like that moment with us mm. to just um, tell us more about what she thinks why she loves us what she thinks we could do even more that we should open in Houston that she want to be an ambassador if we open there she want to like organize trunks at her place to let people know about the brand and um and I and she was surprised that the brands um, write to her, wanted to know to get her to understand what she likes, mm -hmm. to understand how we could understand her needs better. And yeah, I think it's about the relationship again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, de definitely. So, uh, you know, talk about the American market. the The area that you guys are are in essentially has been pretty pressed. Uh, the accessible luxury category, the contemporary fashion ca category. Um, it's the promotions. It's just this surge of, of competitors um, and then customers kind of drifting to two ends. You're either like a high end luxury customer or you're shopping fast fashion, you're shopping online brands. Uh, so how do you differentiate? How do you kind of face those those challenges head on in, in such a competitive market? It's a good question because it is a competitive market. Um, I think one of, like, 
one of the things that we are, is very important for us to differentiate is first um, to break a bit the, the cliche about French brand uh, because uh, the perception of French brand for um, a lot of American customers is something cold, something a bit snobby, um, and we are definitely the inverse of that. Uh, we want to bash that. Like we, mm-hmm. uh, we really uh, want to also... Um, explain to the American customer that we are a French brand, but we're extremely, um, our values are very uh, different than uh, the image that they can have of a French brand. And I think this is also our way to, to differentiate. Mm-hmm. Um, our mantra internally is be bash, be happy. Um, and this is really something that we can feel through our collection, through our experience. And this is a point of differentiation. Another one, I'll say it's maybe the structure of our collection, mm. um, especially in the US. We notice that uh, when we speak to our customer, usually they say, okay, I go to that amazing brand for a casual weekend dress. I go to that great brand for my corporate outfit. I go for that brand to um, buy my shoes. And um, the beauty in Bash is that we offer um, everything in the same wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can really see that in what she's buying. Like she's buying at the same time something very um, professional for uh, a big meeting that she has. Uh, and at the same time, she's going to buy like a big flurry uh, maxi dresses. Uh, for a wedding that she's attending to. So um, it's uh, it's what differentiates us, uh, I think so. Right. And yeah, I think the way that people shop is changing as well. So if you can keep that customer engaged without you know, spreading yourselves too thin, it seems like a good place to be. Um, and in terms of, you know, you mentioned that the, the expansion to the U.S. kind of started with the, uh, with the partnership with El Capital. So how is that influenced the brand in other ways, um, having having that partnership with them and taking it to the next level, essentially. I think we've, we are very, very lucky because um, also in, since the investment of El Capital, they merged with uh, Caterton, which mm-hmm. is um, a big private equity American fund. So now we have the chance to, be, uh, to have an ownership from the best of the luxury in France uh, and a very strong VC in the US. Um, and it's been amazing for us because um, this is not only a financial support, um, this is really like a group of people you can reach to get some introduction, mm-hmm. uh, to get some advice, uh, to get an idea when you are signing your first, lease, your first lease in the US and you would like to have like a second like legal opinion on what you are about to do. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is yeah, a group of, of experts that are here to making sure you're taking the right decision. Right. Uh, so it's it's um, it's a chance, I think. Yeah. Does that influence decisions differently or you know, how do you make sure that uh, you know the brand is still staying true to where it started 15 years ago? Sure. It's it's a good question. And I think first, um, like in the private equity world, um, El Capital and El Caterton now are very known and respected for mm-hmm. letting brands, um, uh, like letting the brands all their creativity and uh, and protecting that because mm-hmm. this is why initially they were interested in the brand. Right. So this is something they definitely respect and want to protect. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, of course, at the same time, 
we are looking at things um, in a more, um, I'll say, um, strategic way. Uh, maybe um, before taking a big decision on a financial investment, um, we um, work on hundreds of versions of PLs to make sure we are taking the right step. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I'll say it's very healthy. Mm. Because um, it protects um, brands to sometimes um, want to go too fast, right. and sometimes you don't have the choice. Sometimes you have like um, um, you have like not that financial support, or uh, you don't have a group of experts you can refer to for any advice, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it, it's a luxury, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're almost out of time, but you've been two years in the U.S. market now. What's next on your to-do list? Uh, a lot, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of work. But uh, I think our like vision and mission um, will be to to spread the like the the bash spirit and like the lifestyle of the brand to um, to other cities in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started in in New York, in LA, in Miami, and uh, I've seen great success. So the next step now is to spread that vision of the. Of the French, uh, of the French fashion, the French uh, happy fashion, mm-hmm. uh, and to make it available to every American woman. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It's really you. nice having you. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed the episode. A special thanks to Gianna Capadona, the producer of this podcast. As a thank you for listening, we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three month subscription to Glossy Plus. Glossy Plus members access unlimited stories, exclusive research, and more. Join today for just $49. That's $80 off by entering the code intro at checkout at glossy.co slash subscribe. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have.